Great. Well, John stole my line. <laughs> it's a good line, right? Yeah, I usually am up here playing the music, and John did that, so I'm going to do what he usually does. But anyway, John got it, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll head on. Um, I know John just prayed for me, but uh, I'm just going to pray really quick if that's okay uh, as well, and then we'll go. Father, thank you so much for your church, and uh, thank you uh, for what you've given us. And um, I pray that this morning, uh, that whatever I say that is that is of you, that is of your word, would would go into our hearts, and uh, and that you'd show us how how it can transform our lives. And God, and anything else would just uh, go to the wayside, Lord. But I pray that that nugget of truth, that thing you're wanting to speak to each heart, would would stick, and. Um, yeah, that, that we would look more like you going out today. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. I think I forgot my water bottle, which is just, it's, it's, a, it's a bad thing to do. You gotta, gotta stay hydrated up here. There you go. So, yeah, my name is Ben. John in introduced me already. I'm usually up here with, with the guitar, playing, playing songs, and uh, this time I get to, to talk to you all. So that's, that's really great. Thanks for Thanks for listening. Um, and I'm talking on our fourth uh, message on our church life, or I don't know if it's fourth, last, anyway, <laughs> let's say, uh, on our church life series, and I'm talking about generous living. And um, I don't know if you recognize any of these guys, but uh, they're not particularly generous people. So up on the top left is uh, good old Henry F. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. Any It's a Wonderful Life fans? Yes, yes. Potter. Um, so that's him. Uh, just stingy, rich, as all get out. Uh, but he wants to just take over the town of Bedford Falls and get all the money he can in his pockets. Next to him, to the right, is, of course, Ebenezer Scrooge from Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. He's kind of become the epitome of stinginess and hoarding and so so much that we kind of have almost made his name into an adjective and we could say someone's scroogey or you're a scrooge uh so there's scrooge and of course he has a change of heart and <laughs> spoiler alert right uh and then uh, down on the bottom uh maybe you guys don't recognize this guy as much but that's joseph pulitzer uh and i don't know what the real joseph pulitzer was like but this is joseph pulitzer in the disney movie newsies and uh, in that movie, he is also a very stingy, greedy, and rich man. And he says at one point, there's lots of money in those streets, man. I want to know how I can get my hands on more of it. And so we see these, these kind of characters. And uh, it reminds me of this, this quote that uh, G.K. Chesterton said. He said, among the rich, you will never find a really generous man, even by accident. They may give their money away, but they will never give themselves away. They are egotistic, secretive, dry as old bones. To be smart enough to get all that money, you must be dull enough to want it, <laughs> he says. Well, I think I know that not, that doesn't mean anyone with, with a lot of money, but I think it, he's thinking of these kind of guys, these kind of caricatures of wealth and greediness and um, stinginess. But it's interesting, isn't it? that you see more than one book, more than one movie with this kind of type of person. And uh, it's, it's always the same. It's, it's not that they're lacking money. They're, they're very rich. They have lots. They're wealthy. 
but for some reason, uh, they just want more. <laughs> uh, and they're always the bad guy, except for Scrooge. But he he's kind of starts out as the bad guy and then becomes the good guy, right? They're all the bad guy. And they're all kind of grumpy. And then uh, put up alongside them are, are people like, in It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey, who's, uh, who's poor and maybe not the rich, richest person, but he's, he's generous. And he gives of himself, and, uh, and, and yet he's not the grumpy one, right? These guys are the grumpy ones. And then on the other side, there's the prota protagonist, who's the happy one. Or even with Scrooge, when he, when he gives of himself, he finds this joy. And it kind of points to this idea, I think, that there's this deep, rich joy uh, that is really to be gained in our lives only by giving away, giving of ourselves, as, as Chesterton said. They might give some money away, maybe for some reason, but it's that giving, our, giving of ourselves where we find this joy. And those who just pour it up and look for more and more, they, they don't have access to this joy. And, and Jesus agrees with this, so that's, that's good, right? It's not just, you know, the makers of these uh, books and films. But uh, Jesus agrees with this. And in Acts 20, uh, verse 35, uh, Paul quotes Jesus, and he said, he says that Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that word blessed is this idea of, of really rich, deep happiness. Jesus says, you get that more when you give than when you receive. And later Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, and we're going to look in, in that book a little bit more later on, but he says, and we, we often say this at Jubilee when we're taking, um, taking up offering, he says, God loves a cheerful giver. And it's this idea that real generosity Real, uh, the kind of giving that God loves is, is a joyful thing. It's a cheerful thing. Um, yeah, it's a thing where there's this, this deep joy. And so my main idea for today is, nailed it. Um, God wants us to live joyfully generous lives. And we can only do this by living in response to Jesus. So kind of a two-parter. God wants us to live joyfully generous lives we can only do that by living in response to Jesus. So I think there's a lot of reasons why probably we don't always live this joyfully generous life. Because I think most of us would look, we'd watch It's a Wonderful Life. If you haven't seen that this Christmas, get it. It's, it's terrific. Um, at least I think so. Uh, but uh, you watch this and you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course I want to be like this, this guy. I, I don't want to be the rich old fogey with, with all his stuff, even though he has all the riches. No, he's, he's grumpy. I want to be this joyful. But then often, I think, in our lives, when we're trying to live it out, we don't end up being that person. We, 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 we aren't the joyfully generous person. And so, why? why? Why aren't we? I think one reason is we feel like we can't be generous. And uh, this, is, this is super real. And I think probably all of us have had this feeling. I know I have, but at one point or another, you just feel like you can't give. Uh, the idea of giving something just feels taxing, feels draining. You just feel like you don't have enough. You feel maybe poor or needy in some way. And it's not just about money, uh, but I thought of three kind of 
things that it's often about. One is money, and um, so maybe maybe your you just your income is is just enough. And the idea of of giving on top of that or giving giving out of that is it, it seems crazy. Maybe or maybe you're in debt and and you feel like that just rules your life. And so to give more money away is like, what? How could I how could I manage to do that? Uh, or maybe it's time. I, I think often we talk a lot about being busy. And so often a lot of us feel busy, often, um, but uh, maybe you're in an especially busy time and you feel like every minute of every day is taken up. And so the idea of investing time into something or giving more of the time is just, I don't, ha- I don't have time. I just, I just lack that resource. How could, I, how could I do that? Or maybe it's energy. Maybe, uh, maybe you're just exhausted in some way. And uh, maybe maybe you deal with people all day. Maybe you're in customer service, and they're just like wearing at you all day. So the idea of investing in someone else in your free time is just like I'm just honestly I'm just exhausted by the end of uh, by the end of the day. Or maybe you're you're physically uh, exhausted or physically sick, and you just feel like I just need all the energy I have um, for me right now. And and how when you ask me to to give that just feels like it's it's taxing it's just a daunting idea how do i do that well i'll have to turn my page to find out <laughs> <laughs> so i think the one of the one of the great things is that when we read the bible we find out it's not it's not really about how much we have that's not the that's not the requirement for being a joyfully generous person you don't have to have, when I have this much, okay, now I can be joyfully generous. Before I could be begrudgingly generous, but now finally I can be joyfully generous. No, it's not about, it's not about amount. And there's a sweet story in, in a couple of the Gospels um, that it's, it's kind of become a famous story. And it's about Jesus watching the people as they take up the offering and give their money. And so I think I have the text up on the screen. Yeah, so it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. And he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. And many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything all she had to live on. And it makes sense, right? God doesn't need our money. He's not like, God's not like, oh yeah, I just need you to give it away so, so I can get more money or time or energy. No, he's, he's, got, he's got everything. He's, he's fine. So it makes sense that it's not about the amount. It's not about, oh yeah, I need to give such and such amount of time to this in a week in order to f- fulfill my quota. It, it makes sense. God doesn't need that. Um yeah, God doesn't God doesn't need a certain amount of something, but what he is looking for is the quality of uh, joyful generosity to be born in us. I think that's what God wants. He doesn't want, oh yeah, I want your money, I want your time, I want your energy. He wants us to be joyfully generous people. I love what C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity. He says we might think that God wanted simply obedience to a set of rules. And then he says Whereas he really wants people of a particular sort. 
That's, that's what God says. He's not saying, oh yeah, I want you just to do this, give this, da 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 He said, I want you to be like this. I want you to be a joyfully generous people. All, um, all in all, I want you to be like, look like me. I want you to look like me. He wants us to look like Jesus. So how do we become this type of people then? If we're supposed to be joyfully generous people, how do we get there? Well, this is the map. No, <laughs> um, this is a map. Uh, that just came. That wasn't planned. This is a map of of some of Europe and Asia, and it, it's it's significant in that it's the area where the New Testament church really expanded. Um, after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended and sent people out, this is kind of where. And so all these little cities you see uh, were, were full of churches. And so uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, maybe you, you're probably familiar with him if you've read some of the New Testament, but he was, he was a man that Jesus sent uh, to a lot of these cities to plant churches, to, to preach the gospel and to start communities of, of people who serve Jesus. And so he went through tons of these cities, and you can see all these names. And one of the ones he went to, if you see the little red dot, does everyone see that on the left, is Corinth. And, uh, and he planted uh, a church there in Corinth. And then also up, you see the blue, slightly transparent, translucent, I should say, uh, circle. Uh, that's a region called uh, Macedonia. And so we see Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea, and those were cities where Paul also planted churches. Why I- am I telling you this? You will see very soon. Uh, and so, and then down uh, on the bottom right is, is the yellow dot, and that's Jerusalem. And so Jerusalem wasn't a church, uh, wasn't a city where Paul planted a church, but there was a church there, and it was one of the earliest churches in, in history, uh, in, in the New Testament of Jesus' churches. And so there came a period of, of time where the church in Jerusalem was was in need. It needed money, and so Paul went up around to a bunch of uh, uh, the churches he'd planted and said, "Hey guys, the people in Jerusalem need money. Can we can we raise some money for Jerusalem?" And so he went. Uh, well, first he went to Corinth, and they said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're really excited. We want to give. Uh, we got to give money to Jerusalem." And then he also went to Macedonia, uh, to Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. And and they were also excited. Uh, and then Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth. And and it seems like from this letter... Um, oh, we're actually not there yet, sorry. <sighs> I know. Let me just leave the map for now. Um, it seems like from this letter that something's happened that's made Paul kind of unsure if these Corinthian believers are still really gung-ho about giving to this church in, in Jerusalem. He's ki- it kind of seems like... Okay, so you were really excited, but I'm not really, are you still excited about this? Are you still joyfully, feeling joyfully generous, or maybe not as much? And so this is what he says. He says, now, brothers and sisters, uh, while he's writing to the church in Corinth, he says, now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, up in the blue. In the midst of a very severe trial— their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. 
So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. And since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And so Paul writes to the church in Corinth, who had been really e- excited about giving, and, uh, and he points to this other, these other churches up in Macedonia, and he says, hey, look at these guys. They are, they are poor, really poor, actually poor, uh, but they also have a lot of joy, and they're also really excited, and their poverty plus their joy has equaled their generosity, has equaled generosity. And so he says, it's not, it's not about how much you have, Corinthians. He says, remember that in joy, even in poverty, it can well up in generosity. Remember your eagerness, and, and, and remember what you, yeah, how eager you were in the beginning, and continue that on. But then again, I guess we're still left with the question, okay, but what's, what's really the motivation here? And so Paul continues, and he says, and here's where we can get this on the screen. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. For your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And I think this is, this is huge for us becoming joyfully generous people is to remember that ultimately, in Jesus, in the gospel, we aren't poor, we aren't needy, we're rich. And uh, the idea is that what Jesus has given us, new life, new purpose, new meaning, redemption from, from our sin, he's, he's brought us back, reconciliation to God, those things are are s- worth so much more than than any anything else on earth. And so in comparison with the riches we have in Jesus, the need we have on the earth is kind of overshadowed. And uh the thing is it's sometimes it's sometimes it's hard to <laughs> to remember this. And I think it's it's an important thing for us to to continue to remember Jesus and and think on Jesus and think on what he's done for us and see our lives in from this perspective that we're not poor we're not needy people even though we feel maybe taxed by by things that are pulling on us for our attention in the reality we are rich we have been given something that surpasses all of our needs this is a verse uh, I think next slide that, that's been encouraging me with this, I- even this week. And it says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. And that's, I'm not saying that's easy because the things of earth 
press and are really apparent to us uh, all the time. But when we remember, when we remember that we're ultimately rich because of what Jesus has done, uh, and we fix our eyes, we fix our sights on the realities of heaven, we think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, then of course we're, we're joyful. And of course we're generous because we're rich and overflowing. Then the other thing that Paul says a little, a little while later to these guys in, in Corinth, uh, in the same letter, he's just told them actually to be, to be cheerful givers. He says God loves a cheerful giver. And then, and then he says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. So then in all things, at all times, on the bottom right is, is the yellow dot, and that's Jerusalem. And so Jerusalem wasn't a church, uh, it wasn't a city where Paul planted a church, but there was a church there, and it was one of the earliest churches in, in history, uh, in, in the New Testament of uh, Jesus' churches. And so there came a period of of time where the church in Jerusalem was was in need. It needed money, and so Paul went a- around to a bunch of uh, uh, the churches he'd planted and said, hey guys, the people in Jerusalem need money. Can we, can we raise some money for Jerusalem? And so he went, uh, well first he went to Corinth, and they said, yeah, 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 we're really excited. We want to give, uh, we want to give money to Jerusalem. And then he also went to Macedonia, uh, to Philippi, and Thessalonica, and Berea, and, and they were also excited. Uh, and then Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth. And, and it seems like from this letter, um, oh, we're actually not there yet, sorry. <sighs> I know, just, just leave the map for now. Um, it seems like from this letter that something's happened that's made Paul kind of unsure if these Corinthian believers are still really gung-ho about giving to this church in, B- in Jerusalem. He's ki- it kind of seems like, Okay, so you were really excited, but I'm not really, are you still excited about this? Are you still joyfully, feeling joyfully generous, or maybe not as much? And so this is what he says. He says, now, brothers and sisters, uh, is it, while he's writing to the church in Corinth, he says, now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, up in the blue. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. And since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And so, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, who had been really excited about giving, and, uh, and he points to this other, these other churches up in Macedonia, and he says, hey, look at these guys. They are, they are poor, really poor, actually poor, uh, but they also have a lot of joy, and they're also really excited. And their poverty plus their joy has equaled their generosity, has equaled generosity. And so he says, it's not, it's not about how much you have, 
Corinthians, it says, remember that in joy, even in poverty, it can well up in generosity. Remember your eagerness and, and, and remember what you, yeah, how eager you were in the beginning and continue that on. But then again, I guess we're still left with the question, okay, but what's, what's really the motivation here? And so Paul continues, and he says, and here's where we can get this on the screen. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. For your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And I think this is, this is huge for us becoming joyfully generous people is to remember that ultimately in Jesus, in the gospel, we aren't poor, we aren't needy, we're rich. And uh, the idea is that what Jesus has given us, new life, new purpose, new meaning, redemption from, from our sin, he's, he's brought us back, reconciliation to God, those things are are worth so much more than than any anything else on earth. And so in comparison with the riches we have in Jesus, the need we have on the earth is kind of overshadowed. And uh the thing is it's sometimes it's sometimes it's hard to <laughs> to remember this. And I think it's it's an important thing for us to to continue to remember Jesus and and think on Jesus and think on what he's done for us and see our lives in from this perspective that we're not poor we're not needy people even though we feel maybe taxed by by things that are pulling on us for our attention in the reality we are rich we have been given something that surpasses all of our needs this is a verse uh, i think next slide that, that's been encouraging me with this, I- even this week. And it says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. And that's, I'm not saying that's easy because the things of earth press and are really apparent to us uh, <laughs> all the time. But when we remember, when we remember that we're ultimately rich because of what Jesus has done, uh, and we fix our eyes, we fix our sights on the realities of heaven, we think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, then of course we're, we're joyful. And of course we're generous because we're rich and overflowing. Then the other thing that Paul says a little, a little while later to these guys in, in Corinth, uh, in the same letter, he's just told them actually to be, to be cheerful givers. He says God loves a cheerful giver. And then, and then he says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, like Jesus, the more we bring his kingdom on earth. And so people, when they see us acting not 
in this selfish way, not in this way that, that is promoted, but in this joyfully generous way. They say, wow, that's different. That's set apart. That's, that's, they probably won't say that's holy, but that thought, they say that's different. And it's different because it looks like Jesus. And when we, the more we look like Jesus, the more we bring his kingdom here. The second thing I want to clarify about, about the memes is, is that I, I don't want you to get the idea of this being like a call to burnout. Uh, that's that's not, not the idea. It's not like, you know, please every person at every time and do everything that everyone always asks. And that's not, I don't think that's Jesus' message either. Um, the message is something actually that, that Paul mentions to the church in Corinth and he commends the Macedonian church for. He says, he says they went above our expectations because First of all, they gave themselves to the Lord, and then, by God's will, they gave themselves to us. And I think that's, that's kind of the, the thing we're called to. We're not called to make every person and every charity and every someone who asks us for something our master, right? We're not called to be slaves to them. We're called to give ourselves to the Lord first. But as we do that, then he shows us how to live joyfully generous lives and give ourselves to other people as he leads us. And that's pretty awesome. Boom. Jaden's awesome. Let me go on the screen. Um, this is my artistic diagram that I made. Uh, I was talking to John a little bit earlier this week about uh, getting ready for this, and I said, man, my PowerPoint is just, it's just not going to look as good as yours. Like, it's just not my gifting. But anyway, there's the diagram. And so the, really the call is, if, if you think of each of us as being one of the smaller uh, more blue dots on the outside. Uh, you see, it, see the lines? We give ourselves to God first, and then we give ourselves to others. And so it's not that others, others aren't the big circle in the, in, the, in the middle. It's not that we uh, just have to give to everyone. We give ourselves to God first, and then as he leads us, we give ourselves to others. And that's where a joyfully generous life comes from, and that's what God calls us to. But, I find that usually my problem is more like I think I'm the big circle in the center. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the center. And, uh, and I think that's, and so, uh, I mean that's, that's, that's kind of a tendency for all of us, I think. We, we want to put ourselves first. We want to think of ourselves first. And so it kind of makes it a little bit uh, frightening when we actually hear people in the w- in around us saying, yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, 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 you should put yourself first. That's right. And, and, that's, not, and that's not the call of God on our lives. The call on of, of God on our lives is, no, oh sorry, that was just me pointing at the diagram, boom, uh, is to be one of the, the smaller circles on the outside, to give ourselves to God first, and then to give ourselves to others. There's a great C.S. Lewis quote that I didn't write down, but I think I'll share it anyway. He's talking about, like, the first people, like Adam and Eve, when they fall. Uh, and he said, they wanted to be nouns when they were, we were created to be mere adjectives. And uh, if you don't, if you're not great at grammar, you can come to me after, because that's what I, that's, that's my day job. I, I teach, I teach English to people. And so, um, but, but the noun is, is the center. The noun is the centerpiece, and the adjectives tell things about the noun. Uh, and that's what we're called to. We're, we're called to, God is the center, God's a noun, and we are created 
to reflect him. And like we already talked about, being joyfully generous people, we reflect him. And but I think that also gives us perspective on, on the other dots. They're also, we're, we're just as peripheral as, as they are. We're, we're adjectives, just like they are. And so all of a sudden, we're not the center. We see others as, as equals because God is the center. And that's, and that's quite, a, quite a shift, but um, it's, I think, what we're called to. And Jesus wrote, or Jesus wrote, Paul wrote, whew, can't, can't mix those ones up. Um, Paul wrote to the church in, in Philippi, uh, and he said, and he says, he reminds him of this, to, to think of others as kind of same playing field. He says, instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should, in humility, be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. Each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests, but about the interests of others as well. It's a radical shift. It's a radical shift in our, in our normal, unchecked thinking to say, okay, yeah, I'm not just going to put myself for forth for first. I'm not going to I'm not going to look to just just my needs, but also to others. I'm going to consider them as better than myself. It's a it's a huge, radically different uh, shift uh, in perspective, and it's not something that <laughs> I at all uh, live perfectly. And but I think it's something that uh, we all can be called more toward, not thinking just of ourselves first, but also to others. And and then how? Because that's the question, right? How do I do that? That's that's nuts. And I think Paul's answer is the same as uh, his answer to, oh, I feel like I can't be generous. He says, he looks to Jesus again. He says, you should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men and by sharing in human nature. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As a result, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And uh, so Paul says, yeah, don't put yourself first, but, but you're not alone. Actually, your God, your Savior, your Lord has, has done this very thing. Remember Jesus? He was God. But he didn't say, oh yeah, I just need to keep this to myself. He emptied himself. He became like one of us. And he served. He gave, and he gave, and he gave joyfully. He says, so, so look, look to him. And then I think the other neat part of that verse is that as Jesus humbled himself, then God is the one who lifts him up and, you know, gives him the name above every name uh, to which every person on earth should, should bow the knee. And, and, and that's a picture, I think, because often we say, oh yeah, I, I should just look after myself. I should put myself first, but no, it's I give myself to God, and then I give myself to other people, and put their needs uh, above my own, and then God is the one who, who lifts me up, and God is the one who gives me all I need. So, my brother, 
run or leads a, a discipleship school in Langley uh, at a church there. And one of the mottos they have is living in response to who Jesus is. And their shirts. And I could have worn one of the shirts. I considered it and didn't. Um, living in response to who Jesus is. And I think as we consider the call to be joyfully generous people, this is, is what the answer is again and again. Look to Jesus. Live in response to who he is and to what he's done. We were poor. He was rich. And he became poor so that we could be rich. And now we are rich in him. He can provide everything that we need. And finally, he, yeah, he was, he was in the form of God, and he became one of us. He gave everything uh, so that we could be with him. And as we look to him uh, as the one who not only gives us everything we need, but also as the one um, who is the example of how we can live uh, joyfully generous lives. I think that's where we find motivation, and I think that's where we find the power in him uh, to live that kind of life, to be those kind of people.